1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job
0: sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Jerusalem Unplugged, the only podcast dedicated to Jerusalem, its history, and its people. Your host, Roberto Matza, will bring you guests discussing their relationship with the Holy City. A journey through history, society, feelings and hopes for the future. Follow the podcast on all social media platforms at Jerusalem Unplugged.
1: Welcome to Jerusalem Unplugged, the podcast dedicated to Jerusalem, its history and its people. I'm your host, Roberto Mazza, and today... It's with a somber voice that I'm introducing you to the new episode of the podcast. My guest will be Vincent Lemire and we're gonna discuss his book, his great book, In the Shadow of a War, discussing the fate of the Mugrabi quarter, which was destroyed by Israeli bulldozer in 1967 after the Six Day War. But before we begin, I think it's important to remember that this recording has been edited during the third week of the war in Palestine. While the Israeli army is now entering Gaza with a ground operation, hostages are still being held by Hamas. And more importantly, when civilians in Gaza are suffering the worst of this war, as they fled towards southern Gaza, and maybe they will never be able to find their home still standing as a result of the heavy bombing. And so, today we are going to talk about the destructions of a smaller area, one that marked the history of the Palestinians of Jerusalem, of Jerusalemites altogether. As in 1967, the Mugrabi Quarter long sat in the shadow of the Western War, and three days after the June War, Israeli forces raised the quarter, its narrow alley is widened and homes removed to create the Western Wall Plaza. And so with this book, Minsant Lemire writes the first history of the Mugrabi Quarter, spanning 800 years from its founding by Saladin in 1187 to house North African Muslim pilgrims through to its destruction. The book is based on archival documentation from all around the world, and the book engages testimonies of former residents and looks to recent archaeological digs that were originally meant to find uh, the Jerusalem of the times of David, but actually offered the Jerusalem of the times of the Mugrabi Quora. And so Lemire offers a new point of entry to understand this consequential place. But before we delve into all of this, first things first, Vincent, welcome. Thank you, thank you, Roberto. Now, just to start our conversation, can you tell us something about yourself and the origins of this book? Um,
0: I'm 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 a French historian. I'm 50, 50 years old. Uh, I'm working on Jerusalem since uh, 1998. I spent like eight years of my life to study the water supply in Jerusalem. Uh, so I'm working on the urban yeah, urban history of, of Jerusalem. And in 2015, uh, I had a, a dinner uh, at Haifa Al-Khalidi uh, place, um, in the very center of the old city of Jerusalem, just in front of the Western Wall Plaza. And at the end of this dinner, she she told me her story, the story her story of the destruction of the Moghrabi neighborhood uh, during the night uh, from the 10th to the 11th uh, uh, of June 1967. So during the Six Day uh, War, and she she not only told me the story, she gave me the story. It it was something very strange, very strange and very strong. Yeah very strange and very strong. And I, I, I went out uh, and from this very day, it, it it, cannot be outside of my brain. And I had, during this time, I had many, many other projects and so on. But in, in a few months, I, I understood that I will have to tell the story of the Mugabe neighborhood, which was what what was strange. It's, I, I was working on Jerusalem for... Uh, uh, almost uh, 20 years ago, and I didn't know anything precisely about the story of this uh, neighborhood. That's why I, I decided to to work on it.
1: Let me remind the listeners, first of all, about your work, which is in French, but is a very important book, La Soif de Jerusalem, which is basically a, a book about uh, the uh, you, you called it the hydro history of Jerusalem, which was very, very. Uh, an interesting approach to look at uh, the history of water in Jerusalem. I wanna go back to the Mugrabi Quarter. So the book is about the history of the Moroccan or Mugrabi Quarter of Jerusalem from 1187 to 1967. So it's a very long history. But I'm curious about why did you say that the quarter is in the shadow of the wall? What does it mean to be in the shadow of of the Western Wall, this very uh, holy place for the Jews. Um,
0: yeah, this is the, the the subtitle of the book, and precisely because uh, the Mogabe quarter was was located was located uh, in front of the Western Wall, exactly in front of the Western Wall. For the people who are listening to us, I'm sure that they they. Or or they went in Jerusalem, so they see the Western Wall directly or they have seen once or many times a picture of the Western Wall with, with the Dome of the Rock uh, behind. It's, it's like it's one of the most iconic uh, view uh, in the world, like the Eiffel Tower or I don't know, Brooklyn Bridge. Or, And uh, for the people who are listening to us, it just the, the Western Wall Plaza today, it was the Mokrabi neighborhood. It's as simple as that uh, the plaza was 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 the neighborhood. so the neighborhood was uh, located uh, yeah, in the shadow of of this uh, holy site of this western wall. and of course it will it will change the the destiny of of this neighborhood of this uh, Mogabi quarter. But we have to add something which is strange, but still uh, um, that the when when the when the 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 Mugrabi quarter was, uh, uh, was built, uh, so at the end of the 12th century, this wall, which is an Herodian one, was not a holy site, and was not a Jewish holy site, or Jewish or Christian, it was not a holy site. The, 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 the Jewish communities of Jerusalem uh, used to pray on the eastern wall, to say, uh, Facing the, the the Mount of Olives, or on the top of Mount of Olives, or in other places, but we have no uh, any 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 uh, um, uh, testimony that that there were uh, Jewish uh, praying here before the middle the second half of the 16th century, which was the when when Solomon the Magnificent uh, built uh, built the the uh, the wall. Uh, of of the, of the old city. So it's, it's strange because during three and a half uh, centuries, this Mugrabi neighborhood was located uh, in the shadow of a wall, which was, yeah, a wall among uh, other walls. And uh, three, three and a half centuries after that, it became a holy site and a holy site more and more important for, For the Jewish population, and at the end of the 19th uh, century, for even for Zionism and after for Israel and so on. And that is the history of this neighborhood, and that's why it will be uh, destroyed at at the end of the day.
1: I think you mentioned a very important point about uh, uh, the Western Wall. Um, The fact that today we take for granted that the Western Wall is this uh, uh, obviously Jewish uh, holy place, probably the holiest. Place for the Jewish people, but it's true that effectively uh, up until the 16th century, all of the uh, uh, Jewish travelers to Jerusalem report that they were praying outside the walls and the wall is barely mentioned. And so obviously we need to take into account the fact that holy places change locations and change meaning throughout time, nothing is fixed. And I think this is very important because today we tend to think about holy places as fixed in time and they never changed throughout their history, but that's not certainly the case. Now, I I wanna ask you something about uh, your obsession. Uh, Some listeners may know that Vincent Lemire was also the director of the Open Jerusalem Project, which was a project dedicated to collecting uh, sources worldwide about Jerusalem. And in the book, there is an amazing picture. It's a drawing. that gives the readers a good sense of the archival journey that you undertook in order to collect the material needed. So, I was wondering if you can give us a sense of the sources that you have used, and particularly where did you find them?
0: Yeah, I, I, I put this picture because uh, first, I, I drew this picture because i i, I was uh, I was lost in the middle of this uh, of this document. And I put these pictures just to show how, yeah, how historians are, are working. They are working on a very small neighborhood, and they are going all around the world to find uh, one page, ten page, uh, half a page uh, about this very small place. And this is how we how we work. This is, yeah, the the obsession of of the of the historian. And yeah, this in this case. I, I agree. In this case, it's very it's very impressive because because the Mugrabi neighborhood is in the middle of many, many, uh, many, um, many, many strategies, many, many powers, many, many uh, uh, institutions. And so, yeah, I had to I had to to go uh, in, in, in very different places. It's an Islamic history because it was it was a work. It was an Islamic work. So I had to work in the in the Islamic archives. Not far away in Abu Dis, though, so just east of uh, east of uh, of Jerusalem today, uh, and there we find yeah a lot of paper about the about the Islamic institution of uh, of Jerusalem. Uh, it was also uh, an imperial history because because the pilgrims uh, the the Muslim pilgrims. It, it was a very important issue for the for the Ottoman imperial power. So I, I could find a lot of documents in Istanbul, in the Ottoman imperial uh, archives. Um, I also find some documents uh, in the in the Ottoman municipal archives of of Jerusalem. Uh, during the mandate period, uh, it's, it's it's a bit different. Of course, the documents are in London because this neighbourhood. Facing uh, the Western world in the shadow of the wall uh, became a kind of strategic uh, issue, um, and so we find a lot of documents in London, plus a lot of documents, more and more documents in the Zionist archives, uh, which were produced here and there in Berlin, in London, in in, in uh, you know in in uh, in Moscow or everywhere. But now they are they are uh, they are in uh, in Jerusalem. Um, more than that. During the 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 50s, we find a lot of documents about this neighborhood in the French diplomatic uh, archives. I think we will talk about it uh, later. Uh, and it's and it for me it was it was uh, yeah a discovery yeah scoop very very uh, uh, it's it's very new uh, and and so I, I I I found a lot of documents there in west of France, Nantes, where we find the the, the diplomatic archives. Um, and for the end of the history, of course, I had to go in the Israeli state archive, uh, because yes, the, the Israeli administrations, let's say institutions, uh, decided to destroy, uh, this neighborhood. And, and after that, they, they, they had a strategy to, to, to build a kind of, of silence around this. So, so yeah, I, 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 had to work in the Israeli, uh, Israeli archives and. And at the very last, uh, I had to work in the in the international organization, like Red Cross, for example, in, in Geneva, because after the destruction, this this international organization, uh, they they took care about the inhabitants of of the neighborhood. So we have uh, a lot of, of documents about not about the neighborhood itself, but about the inhabitants uh, uh, of the of the neighborhood.
1: I have one more introductory question. I must admit, when I read uh, the book, and I also want to tell listeners that I read also the French version of the book, I was a little bit puzzled by the kind of history you were trying to tell. So I'd like to know from you, what kind of history are you trying to tell? What what kind of history of a Mugrabi quarter you try to uh, write down? You argue at the beginning also that there is virtually no written history of the Mugrabi quarter. So I was wondering, why do you think uh, this is the case? Yeah, no, th- this is the case for sure. If, if you just
0: yeah, when when you read the, the introduction of my book, it, it even for me, it was uh, uh, I was astonished because before I was before the, this work, there, there were one paper uh published in the jerusalem uh, uh, quarterly uh like i don't know 10 pages or 12 pages about the Mugabe neighborhood it was written by tom aboud uh, it was quite a good paper but about this neighborhood in the very center of the old city there were these 12 pages no more uh the, the Mugabe work you can Sometimes you can find one footnote here and there, but no, no history. And so it's a beginning here. I can it's it's a first step to to answer to to your first question. What kind of history I was writing? And you're you're right. It it was not clear and maybe it's still not clear because when you are. Writing the very first history of any object or place, you don't have to, you don't, and, and sometimes you don't know how to to, uh, to, to, yeah, to compare your own work with many, many other uh, work that were written before. So I, I was just looking for documents and it, it it's a, quite a classical history, very chronological. And um, yes, one must, can say that, that, yeah, it's, it's an, history from from above because I I did work mostly in the institutional archives because it was more easy to to find. But even I I I met some some inhabitants, I uh, some some uh, uh, oral uh, testimonies and so on. But you're right. There is no there is no strong methodological uh, choice uh, at the beginning of of the work, maybe maybe in uh, uh, yeah, during the work, I, I, I invented uh, something, and and I, I add the archaeological uh, uh, data and and so on. So maybe the 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 originality the originality of the work uh, was invented uh, during the uh, during the, the the work itself.
1: I found it fascinating the fact that you're talking about uh, you know breaking the ground of something you saw. My hope is that in the future, people will pick up from your research and start writing more histories of the Mugrabi Quarter, because say saying the book, and obviously the book tried to, tries to cover uh, most of the chronology of a Mugrabi Quarter, there's so much to uncover about it. And here I sure. really wanna start talking about uh, the origins of the quarter. So if you can tell us a little bit more about how the quarter came to be, and also a little bit more about the waqf, associated with it.
0: Yeah, so we are at the end of the 12th century. Uh, a certain uh, Saladin uh, conquest uh, the city and he conquests a city. So just just at the end of the Crusader uh, uh, period and he has to if he urbanize this this city first and second uh, he has to to make the city again an Islamic city. And for that, he has to 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 help the pilgrims. Uh, and and first of all, the pilgrims for for from far away and from the West, so the Maghrebis, he, he he must to he must help them to to come uh, in the uh, um, in the holy city of uh, of Jerusalem. in the Islamic holy city of Jerusalem. So it's an Islamic uh, wax. Um, and and it, it was uh, created precisely to to and conc- very concretely to host, uh, to take care to feed, the people, uh, from the west. So from today, let's say Tunisia, Algeria, and Morocco. Uh, so the Maghrebis, and these Maghrebis, sometimes they were in Jerusalem for a few days, just before uh, going uh, to uh, Mecca, but sometimes they will stay uh some weeks or months or even they will stay years and sometimes even they will die there because uh you never know maybe uh you 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 have widow uh you have illness you have yeah it 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 was the medieval time and the modern time it was not easy uh to 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 travel and it is the moghabi neighborhood tells us the history of the pilgrims of the of and of the pilgrimage uh before before the planes. So before uh, like 50 years ago, and it was a very long and a very dangerous uh, travel and and one uh, need some places like like the Mugabe neighborhood uh, in the middle of the road.
1: Now, in the first chapter, you're talking about the archival visibility in the late Ottoman era. So essentially, chapter one is a survey of the Mugrabi quarters uh, in this period of time. And I was wondering if you can share some of the stories that you recount in the book.
0: Yeah, it's the the late Ottoman history of the neighborhood tells us two things. I think the the first is that the neighborhood was very important at an imperial uh, level. Uh, because for the, the Sultan Caliph, the Ottoman Sultan Caliph, the pilgrimage is yes, it is, is a very important issue. He has to take care of it, and so we can find in Istanbul in the Imperial Ottoman Archives a lot of documents about about money transfer, about survey, about um, uh, yeah, but a lot of uh, uh, um, a lot of, of testimonies uh, showing that the the Imperial uh, uh, the imperial power was was looking uh, to to the Moghabe neighborhood very uh, very carefully, and the second uh, the second level is the municipal level, so more local uh, municipal level in Jerusalem, and this is this is very important because I discovered in the municipal archives in the Ottoman municipal archives, um, the the proof that the Moghrabi neighborhood and the Moghabees themselves. Were strongly uh, integrated uh, in the in the urban uh, um, in the urban social uh, network. Uh, it was not a, a margin. Uh, uh, it was one hundred the contrary of of a margin. It was in the very center of the city, geographically, but even even um, we can we can we can uh, see that the the Moghabis were were working in the financial uh, uh, offices um, in in the tax and customs and so on so you can see that they were in the very in the middle of the on the social and and political network and the notabilities uh, in Jerusalem this was a discovery because before working I was thinking that yeah it was a kind of yeah kind of margin, uh, in the, in the very south of the old city uh, of Jerusalem and the municipal archives tells us exactly the
1: contrary. And uh, I, I want to now share with the, uh, with the listener, uh, kind of, uh, an episode related to the Mugrabi quarter, which also incidentally connects our own work. So you moved throughout the book to talk about the period of World War one. And here there is this episode that I was just mentioning, uh, I too discovered. Incidentally, I was looking for material related to uh, urban planning, but I found documents related to the Western Wall, which had, could, better say, have had a major impact on the Mugrabi quarter. So can you speak about the Ottoman plan to sell the Mugrabi quarter to the Zionists during World War One?
0: Yeah, we are in 1916, and uh, yeah, it's, you, you discovered this, this document. Uh, I did not. And you, and you sent it to me. And it's, it's important for, for the people who are listening that this is the, how we work. Uh, it's, it's, it's a network. It's a trust. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's a kind of organization between us. When, when, when you know that someone is working on one topic, and you are in our archives, and yeah, you send it to, to him. It's, it's a collaborative work. So, um, uh, yeah, and for me, it was very important because so it's it's 1916. It's uh, Jamal Pasha, who is someone very, very important in the very late Ottoman uh, history. Um, We don't know if if he tried to sell uh, the Moghrabi neighborhood to the Zionist for ideological uh, reasons or for financial uh, reasons. In my point of view. I think it's more for financial uh, issues. He he, he was looking for for money uh, for himself or, you know, for the young Turks or for the war or for. Yeah, it was Jemal Pasha was quite uh, someone and and the the second issue is that uh, during that time, the Ottoman Empire was uh, there were an an alliance with uh, Germany and the World Zionist Organization was based in Berlin. And so, yeah, of course, it. It helped because there were a kind of proximity between between the Zionist organization and and Germany and so the the, uh, the Ottoman Empire. Um, so Jamal Pasha tried to sell the Moghrabi neighborhood to the Zionist organization, but the problem was that he was trying to sell something that it that he could not sell uh, because it's a waqf, and so he didn't had any right. Uh, about this property, and thanks God, uh, yeah, thanks God, the the Zionists knew it, and and especially the the local, the local one, uh, David Yelin, for example, the all the local Zionists, they 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 told, but they they have told even before that it's not possible to buy legally. Uh, uh, the Mugrabi neighborhood because it's a wakf, so it's inalienable, it's a perpetual property, and so if someone uh, wants to sell it to you, don't buy it because it's not possible technically, juridically. So the project was uh, was uh,
1: canceled. But I'm curious about one thing. Uh, when I discovered these documents, the plan was very much to demolish the Mugrabi houses, which eventually happened in 1967 when the Israeli took over uh, the old city of Jerusalem. And I was wondering if in your view, you ever thought about the possibility that some in the Israeli administration were aware of those plans. I mean, it's not written, i never found any evidence, but the fact that the plans were very similar at some point made me think that someone must have known about those plans. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm quite, uh, yeah, I, I agree
0: with you. Uh, and even even if they didn't know precisely about this map, uh, this Djemal Pasha proposal 1916, it's, it was in the middle of, of global conversation about how to deal with these small houses in front of uh, uh, the Western Wall, uh, the most important uh, monument for the... For the Jewish, uh, for the Jewishness, and so on. So, yeah, it it, it was not the, the the proposal made by Jemal Pasha was not uh, made by chance. It, it it's it's uh, it's significant uh, in 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 this
1: in this context. You're right. Let me ask about the British. So, obviously, we know in 1917 the British took over, and they began to make changes, particularly through the uh, uh, work of um, Ronald Stores. Can you tell us how did the british see the mugrabi quarter and how did they think it should or not have been changed or transformed
0: yeah this is a topic that you know uh way better than me um the you know the the, the urban uh, yeah the urban reforms and 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 projects uh, uh, from the british in, in in jerusalem just after the the first world war but I just, from from the Mugabe na- neighbourhood uh, point of view, I discovered that that yes, there, there were two con- consequences, and uh, bad consequences for the Mugabe neighbourhood. The first one is that the the British wanted to to restrict the the power of the let's say of the of the Waqf, uh administration, the power and the autonomy, especially, and um, so th- this is this is the first uh, uh, the first thing. And the second point is that is is let's say the 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 town planning uh, ideology um, and and Patrick uh, Geddes and and many many others to uh, the decongestions the opening of squares uh, opening plaza uh, in front of the main monuments it's yes it's a patrimonial uh, ideology it's it's. It's not only in Jerusalem, it's it's in many, many uh, cities around the Mediterranean, but even in Europe and even you destroyed the neighborhood in front of uh, of the more uh, magnificent monument, for example, in front of uh cathedral uh, Notre Dame in Paris, uh, because you need a place, an open place to admire the monument. So it's, it's a very global uh, uh, Global yes, ideology, a global model, uh, global framework, which came, uh, 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 let's say, in the luggage of the British uh, during the during the twenties and the and the thirties.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Let's talk now about France. And I and believe that this is one of the most important discovery, uh, at least to me, uh, you know, in, in the book, but also thinking about your research. So the role of France in relation to the Moroccans of Jerusalem, and you argue that this became more relevant towards the end of the ma- mandate and indeed after 1948. So can you speak about the fate of the quarter in the late 40s and early 50s, and where is the archival material related to this period? The, the archival material
0: is in uh, Nantes, in, uh, so in, in France. It's, it came from, from the French consulate uh, in Jerusalem. Um, in 1948, uh, there is the first war between israel and uh, uh, and his neighbors and uh, as you know the the western part of Jerusalem came to Israel and the eastern part to uh, the Jordanians. Um, and we have to to know that the like sixty percent, maybe seventy percent of the 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 incomes of the mogabebi neighborhood came from a small village called Karem, which is a very famous one uh, west, west of Jerusalem. And this village uh, uh, was located after 1948 in Israel, west of the Green Line. And so, of course, all the incomes, all the, the revenues and, and the tax and, and everything uh, were lost. And so the Mugrabi neighborhood were in a terrible situation in, in nineteen forty eight. That's why the French decided to um, yeah to, to move on and to try to build like a strategy um, towards the Mograbi neighborhood and inhabitants, but maybe mainly towards the Algerians and Tunisians and Moroccans. That's that that is that's why it's very interesting, and that's why Jerusalem is, yeah, is a global city. Uh, the, the French government, uh, they were facing a very difficult situation in these three countries because the people were, were beginning to, to ask for independence. And so they were trying every, everywhere to show, the let's say, the, the, the loyalty of the, of the French government towards uh, towards the Muslim colonized uh, inhabitants uh, in these three uh, countries, and the Mograbi neighborhoods in the very middle of the holy city of Jerusalem, uh, yeah, was was a part of this soft power, and so that's that's why the the, the French uh, government uh, were were um, mobilized, and the second. Uh, maybe the second reason is, is a m- even more diplomatic uh, reason in history. The, the French were, French government were was looking for a position between Israel and the Jordanians. They were trying to find again. I don't know how to say it. Something to do, something to say. It's you know diplomacy. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> it's, you have to f- yeah to find a strategy. You have to find places and and. And so to have a kind of, of sovereignty in the very middle of the old city of Jerusalem, the, uh, the old city, just in front of the Western Wall of Jerusalem. And the French, of course, they, they knew that there was a conflict between the Jordanians and the Israelis about the access to the Western Wall during this very period uh, because the Jordanians refused to, to, to let the, the, the Jewish Israelis get in. So for the French, the French government, uh, they were thinking that, yeah, maybe it could be helpful to be here and to try to intermediate between uh, Israel and, and and the Jordan. It won't work, but this is <laughs> this is life. But yeah, it was uh, a few years of history of the Moghrabi neighborhood. It produced a lot of documents, a lot of descriptions, uh, even social descriptions of the inhabitants—how many people from Tunisia, from Morocco, from Algeria—so, so for for a historian, it's it, of course it's very it's very helpful.
1: This is a fascinating bit of history to think about that France claims some sort of connection with the Maghreb quarter through its colonial possessions throughout North Africa. And you're right; that makes the history of Jerusalem uh, even more global. Uh, you know, just beyond religion, there's also the question of geopolitics and your chapter four really shows uh, how the history of Jerusalem is a global one. And I was wondering to what extent uh, events like the war in Algeria or the Swiss Canal crisis in 1956 have influenced the Mugrabi quarter and also the historical material. So the uh, the archival documentation related to the Mugrabi quarter. Yes, because. Step by
0: step the, the this soft power strategy uh, contradicted uh, the, the violent and, and cruel uh, war um, against the Algerians uh, in Algeria. Uh, it 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 became more and more difficult to to, to you know to justify to help uh, the Algerians and Tunisians and Moroccans in, in, in Jerusalem and to fight them and to kill them uh, in their own country, in their own countries. Um, and so this contradiction uh, was more and more important. And in, in 1955, 1956, the, 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 uh, Tunisia and, and, and Morocco uh, were lost. So yeah, the, 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 even two-thirds of this strategy is, is out. Out of the table, and um, in, in 1956, yes, the Suez Canal uh, crisis, the Suez Canal war, um, uh, shows a direct uh, alliance between Israel and, and the British and the French, uh, and 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 the French against um, against the the Egyptians, and so, of course, it it uh, it makes uh, it it makes the French government more and more um yes more and more in contradiction with this with this soft power very very generous uh uh um, action uh, towards the the Moghrabis, uh in uh, in jerusalem and at the end uh in 1962 uh the french lost uh for good lost algeria and so they don't have any, any more, any right to protect the Mugrabi neighborhood in in uh, in Jerusalem? This is, in my opinion, this is a kind of direct um, factor for the destruction. Just five years after.
1: Which brings me to the question of, uh, you know, so far we discussed the Mugrabi quarter. When he actually existed, when the Mugrabi quarter was constituted by houses and people, alleys, and, you know, a daily life. But in 1967 brought what you call expel and demolish. So the six-day war marked the fate of the Mugrabi quarter. Can you just briefly tell us about these events? How that happened? How did the uh, Mugrabi quarter ended up being fully demolished?
0: The first thing is that the, the Israeli government they knew about 19, uh, 1962. I have I have many many archival uh, proof that they knew directly that the Mogabis in Jerusalem uh, they 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 didn't have any more any protection, juridical, financial, dip, diplomatic protection. Just five years before, and and, and on a very high uh, level, uh, the, the the prime the prime minister, um, so. And, 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 and the Six day, Days uh, War, of course, was a kind of opportunity. Um, I'm not saying that it was scheduled for June uh, 1967 to destroy the Morgabi neighborhood because, because it was not scheduled to take East Jerusalem uh, in, 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 uh, in, in that period. But, but to, now we know more and more that the Israelis were prepared to 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 uh, to take Jerusalem. They were prepared. They they they. Yeah, they in in case uh, there were there were some uh, some uh, uh, some process and and strategy and protocols and and so on. On on Wednesday, uh, 7th of June 1967, the the Israelis get in the old city of Jerusalem uh, and inside every 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 quarters. It's very small, you know. Um, just uh, 36 hours after that, uh, during the morning of the fr- Friday the 9th, there were two decisive and strategic uh, meetings. The first one was between Teddy Kolek, the mayor of West Jerusalem, and Uzi Narkis, who with the who, who, who commended uh, the, 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 the military operation, Israeli military operation in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem. So, you know, it, it, you see it's a very high level meeting. And there were a few uh, um, a few decisions, a few decisions, and it's written on the paper that the third one was the destruction uh, of the Mugabe neighborhood. So, yeah, it was decided uh, two days before uh, the destruction on a very, very high Uh, level, the municipality plus uh, the Israeli army. And on the same day, on the same morning, Friday the 9th, um, there were another meeting in the Foreign Affairs Ministry uh, because the Foreign Affairs Ministry was preparing, let's say, the consequences uh, of the destruction. They were trying to, yeah, it's kind of damage control uh, uh, meeting and so they were they were uh, preparing some wording, languages, justification. Yeah, it was an old neighborhood. Uh, the houses were very dangerous. It was very urgent to destroy it. Common, it was not that urgent to destroy these eight centuries houses just uh, just during the war. But you know, we can see that the municipality of Jerusalem. The Israeli army and the government, because the Ministry of Foreign Affairs were directly involved in this, uh, in this decision. And on Saturday, uh, at around five o'clock, five and a half, uh, there were a meeting um, just in front of the Western Wall. There were architects, uh, archaeologists, uh, national park, uh, Israeli na- national park, uh, um, the head and. That, and they, they they draw they draw a map. Uh, they tried they tried officially they tried to preserve some some of of the main building of the neighborhood. For example, the madrasa al Abdaliya. Uh, we can see it on the map that they draw, but they draw it very very quickly. You know, on maybe maybe, maybe a table or maybe not a table on on I don't know, a, a car or something. Around there, and but the, but the, the destruction was way more large than than the map, uh, and one thousand eight between eight hundred and one thousand inhabitants were expelled this very night. Uh, so at the end of the day of the sat- Saturday, tenth uh, of June, and the neighborhood was destroyed during the night on Sunday morning. At nine o'clock, there were journalists from the, the Jerusalem Post uh, up there, and you can see that the Mugrabi neighborhood uh, disappeared.
1: And we should say that in the book, there are some uh, very dramatic pictures uh, showing the demolition and what was left after the Magri- Mugrabi quarter was destroyed. And so I want to ask you something about uh, the demolition. You call the demolition of the Mugrabi quarter a catastrophe. So what happened after these houses were gone? Um, as I th- just said, yeah, one
0: one thousand inhabitants were expelled. Uh, they were expelled uh, or in Silwan or. Uh, in Betranina or some had some families in Jericho or elsewhere in Palestine. Um, this is this is the first uh, the first consequence. There were not huge diplomatic reactions uh, because you know the Six Days War was yeah quite quite a huge uh, um, event in in uh, on the geopolitical point of view. So one can imagine that maybe the destruction of this small neighborhood was not that important. Uh, uh, Facing uh, everything else, so the 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 annexion, uh, you know, of the uh, the occupation of uh, of the West Bank, of the uh, in, in Gaza, um, the Golan Age, and so on. So we have to to put it in in this in this context. But what was very interesting for for me is that uh, I was um, I talked with with Meron Benvenisti during during this period when, when I was working uh, on this very, very uh, chapter. Uh, Mehran Benvenisti was the, this, uh, the deputy mayor uh, of Jerusalem. He was like very, very close to Teddy Kolek. He was very young. He was like 35 years old. He was an historian. He was a medievalist. He was uh, an Arab Arabist. He can speak Arabic very well. And Teddy Kolek asked him to yeah to take care about East Jerusalem. And one of his first uh, mission was to try and to succeed to build, yes, what I called kind of wall of silence around the destruction of the Mogabi neighborhood. And how how did he build this silence? Uh, he he proposed some compensation uh, to the inhabitants. This was another big a uh, surprise for me, because when you talk with the, with the inhabitants and so on, and when I was uh, reading, for example, the paper uh, uh, that I talked about from Tom about, it, it, it's always written, there was no compensation at all. There were some compensation. I, I did see all the file in the municipal archives. It's, it was not big money because um, because the inhabitants were not, the owners of the houses, uh, the owner of the houses were the waqf. And the waqf, yeah, it's true, the waqf never asked and never accept any compensation, any indemnization, because they didn't want to, uh, to, to legitimize this action. And so the inhabitants, they received the compensation just because they were expelled. And because they were expelled in two hours, and because they cannot take even the table in the, the carpet, even they didn't like anything. So it was a small amount of money, but it was a very poor population. And and they were in a very difficult situation, expelled uh, in Silwan or, uh, as as I say, in, in refugee camps of uh, Betranina. So most of them accepted this small amount of money. But to get the money, they had to sign a letter, uh, a renunciation letter. And it where, where it's written, I will never ask anything uh, anymore. And I, I will not talk about this story anymore. So, yes, Meron Benvenisti succeeded in a very few months, like in six months, to, yeah, to buy... Uh, with no big money, the silence of the inhabitants uh, of the neighborhood. This is another explanation why uh, why
1: we didn't hear a lot about this story. And in fact, to my surprise, a few years uh, ago, very much when I started my own podcast, Jerusalem Unplugged, I was contacted by a woman who was searching information about uh, the surviving houses, uh, of a Mugrabi quarter known as uh, Dar Abu Saud, these houses were eventually demolished in nineteen sixty nine and uh, it's a fascinating micro history of the micro history of a Mugrabi quarter. so I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about uh, the remaining houses and what happened to them and why in the end these two were demolished
0: yeah you're you're right this this uh, these houses. Uh, were destroyed two years late, uh, later, in June uh, 1969. And I just want to say to the people who are listening, maybe they will try to find some picture or even video film about the destruction of the Mugabe neighborhood. There is no video film about the destruction. And on the web, uh, you can see some uh, video film, uh, and it's written, destruction of the Mogabi neighborhood uh, June 1967, but it's not. It's the destruction of the Saoud. There was there was no one uh, a video uh, or or camera uh, uh, film uh, footing in 67. It's 60 uh, 69, and yeah, it was. Uh, uh, there were some some pictures and some film in 69 because because these houses are very big. Uh, if you look at, at at the picture before it was destroyed. They were very big, they were, were, these houses were put on a small hill, let's say, so they were much more higher than uh, um, the the, the Mugrabi neighborhood uh, itself. It it, it was very prestigious houses and families, and that's why a certain uh, Yasser Arafat uh, did uh, uh, spend like three years in these houses. Uh, during the 30s, these houses were the only places, the, the only place where Yasser Arafat uh, lived in Palestine before uh, 1993, before he came back in Gaza. That's why this, this story is 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 a crazy one, because you can find all the big history of, of Jerusalem and Israel and Palestine in, in this very, very small uh, area. So anyway, the though the, these houses were were too big, were too strong, were too prestigious to be destroyed in the same time in June sixty uh, seven. So um, it was impossible to to destroy it discreetly in in in, uh, in one night. So in the archives, uh, I, I I could find all the the whole process to to justify to legitimize this description, and it's, it it was very complex because it was not like you know, between the Friday and the Saturday, in the middle of the war, uh, it was in front of every all the journalists, all the national, all the organization, and and even even in front of some Israeli institution, uh, Meron Benvenisti, the same one, refused to participate uh, in this strategy. Uh, it's written is because um, one one time um, I, I didn't remember one office asked him. To as 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 the municipality ask the municipality to to declare that this building is very dangerous and and, and will collapse because there is a crack in it. And Meron uh, answered, "Okay, come on. I know why you are asking me uh, to uh, to declare uh, uh, the the very dangerous situation, and I don't want to participate uh, in this lie. So do it." By yourself, destroy it. But I don't know. Uh, I don't want to. So it's very interesting because it's a very Israeli history, and even today you have this kind of tension between, between some yes different places and different. Uh, Israel is not like a monolith, and and even in in '69 it was not a monolith. But 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 at the end of the day, uh, the, the the Abu Saud houses were were declared in, in very urgent dan- danger of of, of collapse. And
1: it was destroyed uh, two years, uh,
0: two years uh, after.
1: Let's come to the epilogue of your book. So in the epilogue, you talk about the archives in the ground. In other words, the idea that while digging for archaeological evidence related to ancient buildings, archaeologists, and even today really, uh, began to unearth material related to the Mugrabi order. How do they deal with this? How do people react, and how does this add to the story of the Mugrabi Quarter? Uh,
0: if even for me, it was um, yeah, it was a very stronger uh, uh, period of 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 my research because uh, as as historians, yeah, we we know how to deal with you know with with papers, with documents, with testimonies, Some sometimes it's very strong, even even we know how to deal with uh, oral testimonies. Someone is telling us a story, but we are not archaeologists, so we, we don't know how to how to deal with these objects. Uh, sometimes, yeah, it's, and, and it's not a Neolithic or, you know, a Herodian or biblical object. It's like it's very it's 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 in front of you. And it's like just fifty, fifty years old. For example, it's a little game, a little horse. Uh, and you can see even the 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 child who were who are playing this, it's 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 a direct link to the to the history. It's very sensitive. Uh, I did work, of course, with Israeli colleagues, and again, it's, yeah, I, I, I can find some like complicity inside the. Um, among the, the the Israeli archaeologists, because uh, th- there were public works on the on the western mall plaza uh, since uh, twenty years uh, to build toilets on the north part, to build tourist office on the on the western part, to build a new ramp uh, towards the Mograbi gate on the southern part. Yeah, there were public work, and when when you are doing some public work, you have to dig. Just even just to to put the the the, uh, the 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 house or or the infrastructure you are you are working on, and uh, because it's Jerusalem, always you have to to ask for archaeologists just just to check, and immediately just like one meter, half a meter uh, below uh, the very plaza, of course they discovered. Object of the everyday life of the Mokrabi uh, quarter, like um, uh, tools uh, uh, from a hair cutter or from a butcher, or or even uh, objects directly uh, coming from from the houses, uh, like bottles, uh, like a, a sewing machine, a big sewing machine. Why? Because the inhabitants. Again, they were expelled in two hours. So it's like it's like Pompeii. It's like they they didn't uh, moved their stuff. Their stuff is just below uh, the 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 Western Wall Plaza, today Western Wall Plaza. So as soon as you open it, you will find dozens and hundreds of uh, of objects. And for me, it was very important to. Yeah, to show this object in the book, so I, I put a lot of, of 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 pictures. I have many, many more, of course, but but even to help uh, the readers uh, to yes to realize because again one one object, uh, um, kitchen utensils, uh, you know, tobacco pipes. It's it's like uh, it it makes this history, which is a very global one. We said from Algeria, from France, from it's a very global one, but it's a very local and, and yeah, very local. And, and let's say uh, banal uh, banal history uh, of, of one neighborhood of, uh, of Jerusalem. So this is why I, I, was, I was working with this uh, archaeological uh, uh, data.
1: I have one last question. And I kind of like wanna go full circle. So what do we learn? From bringing back the history of a Mugrabi quarter, and ultimately, what does the history of this quarter tell us about Jerusalem? First of all,
0: I think this history tells us, yeah, that Jerusalem is a global city. Okay, we said it, but more, uh, even more than that, tells us that that even the more iconic places in Jerusalem. Most of them are very recent, or even very new. Uh, we know it for the 19th centuries. We know, as historians of Jerusalem, that most of the Christian holy places were, you know, invented, uh, built um, uh, in the 19th century. But again, this Western Wall Plaza, because it's a erodian wall, for everyone. And it tells us another thing. It tells us that the pilgrims and even the tourists, they come in Jerusalem uh, to look for, let's say, eternity. They don't want that. Maybe they don't want us to tell them that uh, what you are looking for. Yeah, here this wall was built by Herod in the Herodian time. But it's, it's a Jewish holy place uh, just for five centuries ago. And just 50 years before here, you had uh, a living uh, neighborhood with a butcher, with a bakery, with children playing. Uh, they don't want to hear it. And as historians of Jerusalem, we have to tell this story. And that's why, that's why, um, yes, to, to conclude, that's why I decided to produce uh, a 3D reconstruction of the neighborhood. And, and to put this 3D reconstruction in, an, in a free app that all the people who are listening to us they can download it for free on Apple Store on uh, or on uh, Google Play Store. It's called uh, Jerusalem Maghrebi Quarter. And in, in in two minutes they will they will be inside the the Maghreb neighborhood. They will be above or inside in the street. They can they can visit uh, this neighborhood again because i think that yeah it's it's important to to publish some books <laughs> it's how how we work uh, it's important to talk about the books and to publish articles and academics and, and 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 lessons and teaching in the university and so on and conference but but if we want to 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 have a, a real impact on the wide public we we must find another yeah other ways and that's why we're talking today uh, thanks, uh, thanks to you and uh, with this podcast, and that's why this uh, 3D application, uh, Jerusalem, uh, Je- Jerusalem, Maghreb Quarter, is important. It it will help the people to realize and to visualize, because to break this iconic image of the Western world without anything in front of, of this, you need an image, not only a book. Uh, so that's why, that's why. Uh, this, this history is, is so important. It's so, it's so, it's, it's kind of paradigm of all the history of Jerusalem. In, in my life.
1: This was Vincent Lemire, author of In the Shadow of the War, The Life and Death of Jerusalem's Maghrebic Quarter, 1187, 1967, published by Stanford University Press in 2023. Vincent, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Roberto.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Jerusalem Unplugged. Thanks and I'll see you next time.